How can we as nurses learn to let go of the past, rewire ourselves, and move into a promising future of empowered living? Let's talk all about it with Donna Cardillo, the inspiration nurse, right here on episode 266 of The Nurse Keith Show. Hello and welcome to The Nurse Keith Show. I love having you along for this ride. Whether you're new to the show or you've been on this journey with me for months or possibly even years, as always, thanks for being part of Growing Nurse Keith Nation. This podcast is all about you and your nursing career, and I'm here to share education, ideas, diatribes, and informative interviews with some of the most inspiring people from the worlds of healthcare, nursing, medicine, entrepreneurship, and beyond. This episode of the Nurse Keith Show is brought to you by the University of Portland School of Nursing in beautiful Portland, Oregon. Are you thinking about going back to school, hoping to become a nurse practitioner in the near future? If so, let the University of Portland School of Nursing Doctor of Nursing Practice program give you the essential skills and knowledge to become a family nurse practitioner at the doctoral level. One of their alumni, Maya Strom, of the class of 2012, says the DNP program at UP taught me not to settle in my career, to find my own authentic voice, and to practice with integrity, intellect, and curiosity. I learned essential skills which gave me the confidence to start my own practice. The integrative focus of the DNP program, along with the emphasis on providing high-quality primary care, brought me where I am today. I now have my own small holistic integrative practice where I'm able to practice slow, gentle medicine, allowing me to make patients feel supported and a true member of their healthcare team. Learn more about the DNP program at nursing.up.edu. It is wonderfully located in beautiful Portland, Oregon. Go Pilots! And did you know the Nurse Keith Coaching is your one-stop shop for all things related to your career? That's right. Stop by NurseKeith.com to learn about individualized coaching and coaching retreats for nurses and healthcare professionals just like you. And if you mention the show, you'll get 10% off your first coaching package. Meanwhile, if you want to see the show notes for this episode, hop on over to nursekeith.com forward slash the word episode and the number 266. Today, we're welcoming friend of the pod and friend of Nurse Keith, Donna Cardillo, the inspiration nurse. Donna, we're going to get to your bio very soon. But first, I just wanted to jump in and ask you, what is it that you feel nurses truly need to know in the 21st century about really standing up for themselves and being their full empowered selves? Keith, first of all, I'd like to say it is such a pleasure to be on your show today. I always love talking to you, whether it's face-to-face at the National Nurses and Business Association Conference or on one of your podcasts or broadcasts or just visiting through social media and online as we so often do. So, you know, Keith, this is such an incredibly exciting time in nursing. It's not just because 2020 has been designated the year of the nurse by the World Health Organization, and we are going to be celebrating the 200th birthday anniversary of Florence Nightingale, but as the demographics and the healthcare needs of the population change, healthcare has been in the process of totally reinventing itself, and of course, nurses have to do the same thing, but we are really at the precipice of 
taking a lead in nursing like we never have before. We have wonderful opportunity ahead. And of course, the opportunity is there, but are we prepared to take the lead? And if not, what do we have to do to get there? So I would say that for in the past, we have been so busy doing, just being absolutely great at what we do, at the work that we do. We haven't really focused so much on integrating ourselves with the larger healthcare community, with the community in general, with uh, out in the business world, and also haven't always been great at learning to articulate who we are, what we do, and the value that we bring to healthcare. So it's not enough to just do a great job anymore. And the reason that's not enough is that many people in healthcare and even in the public still don't fully understand who we are and what we do. No, they don't. <laughs> right. Yeah. And you know, we talk, you know, the Gallup poll results just came out again recently. And for the 18th consecutive year, nurses were ranked number one in terms of honesty and ethical standards. And that's great. We love to celebrate that. We cheer, rah, rah. It's wonderful. But we don't want to be complacent about that because it's wonderful that the public trusts us, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they understand what we do. So one of the things that we need to work on, all of us, is um, sharpening our community communication skills and better being able to define our role in healthcare. Now, you and I are uh, both have just been designated nurse influencers at the American Nurse Online, which is so exciting. And I bring that up, Keith, because I am in the process of finishing up my first post for the my nurse influencer there at American Nurse Today, and I'm writing about this very subject. I'm talking about the things that nurses need to do going forward. So here's just an example of learning to talk about what we do, but talking about it in terms that people can understand, but also in terms that are meaningful. So for example, if someone asks um, a nurse what he or she does, that nurse might say, well, I'm, I'm a NICU nurse. But if people don't know what NICU means or they don't really understand what goes on, that doesn't really mean a whole lot, especially if they don't understand the NICU. So a, a clearer, more descriptive, significant way to answer that would be to say, I'm a registered nurse. I work in a neonatal intensive care unit. That means that I work with premature and newborn infants that are critically ill. So you see the difference there? I'm a NICU nurse versus the second description I just gave you. Right. And what you're going for here, what I'm getting is specificity. We're not just saying, oh, I'm just a nurse. We're actually delineating specifically what it is we do, right? It's it's specificity, but it's also conveying the significance of our role rather than focusing on tasks. So if we were to say, well, a lot of nurses might say, well, I'm a staff nurse or I'm a floor nurse. First of all, I always recommend you never say I'm a floor nurse because I, that always makes me want to look down when I hear that. Plus, we have a we have a guy in New Jersey who refinishes floors. He calls himself the floor doctor. Oh no! So <laughs> so I always joke that if you come to New Jersey and say you're a floor nurse, somebody might ask you to come and give them an estimate. So um, you know it's. Great to say I'm a clinical bedside nurse in a whatever type of unit you work on, you know, a medical surgical unit. And in that type of unit, we see patients and you just give a, a brief description of the type of patients that you work with. We have to talk more about what we do, 
we certainly have to be more descriptive. We have to talk in language that people can understand, but we want to be able to convey the significance of the work that we do also. That is so true. And one of my favorite books, aside from all of your books, of course, is um, From Silence to Voice by Suzanne Gordon and Bernice Beresh. And they're two non-nurse journalists. And that book is about what nurses know and need to communicate to the public and the media. And you're hitting the nail on the head here in terms of, you know, the year of the nurse is great. The WHO has declared it. And we're hoping that a lot of great things come out of this year, but we need to take the reins of the year of the nurse and just not make it about, you know, getting tote bags with, you know, I heart nurses on it and pens and mugs. We need to actually get in front of people in front of the media and have you like you're saying this specific, very outcome oriented descriptions of who we are and what we do and what we're capable of. Cause I think the public is starting to understand, I believe, what a nurse practitioner is and does. A lot of people see NPs. People have no clue what a doctor of nursing practice is or does. And I think there's a lot of other aspects. Like, if, have you ever mentioned being a nurse entrepreneur to someone and they look at you like you have five heads? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I think you've been hearing that for probably, you've been a nurse entrepreneur for decades. Yeah. Well, when people hear that I'm a nurse business owner or a nurse entrepreneur, they say to me, oh, why did you leave nursing? Because so many people, that's the other thing, still think that nurses only work in hospitals, only work with sick people, only work in that one specific role. And while that role a clinical bedside. Oh, first of all, nurses are doing so many things in hospitals. They, we have more roles in hospitals today, including CEO and chief operating officer and everything else um, in between. But so many people still think that that's the major way and place that nurses work. So when any of us introduce ourselves or present something else that we're doing, that's often confusing to people because they say, oh, so you've left nursing. So I've been getting asked this question for at least 25 years since I started business. And um, right. initially, I would get a little miffed when people asked me that, but I've gotten so accustomed to responding to that question today. And so I usually tell people, I, or for example, when someone meets me and they hear that I'm a nurse before we even get into what I do, and this is with most of us, people say, what hospital do you work at? They don't, they don't say, do exactly. you work in a hospital? They say, what hospital do you work at? Because again, that's that that vision, that single focus of that one role that nurses have. So when people ask me that, um, and I say, I don't work in a hospital, they say, oh, well, why did you leave nursing? So I give them, I give them my spiel, <laughs> right. and I say, well, you know, I know that many people only think of nurses in the traditional sense, working in that a clinical bedside position, but actually only about half of nurses do that. There are, the rest of us are doing a lot of different things in varied settings. We don't all work with sick people. Some of us work um, on wellness. We work in the community. We work in schools and public health. Many of us run businesses and people are usually surprised to hear that. Sometimes even other nurses are surprised to hear that, but they're hopefully they're interested in it and you have an opportunity to engage in more conversation with them. 
So if I do have the opportunity to speak further about it or when I write about it, I do let people know that nurses are independent practitioners. We work under our own license. Contrary to what many believe, we're not assistants to the physician. We have a different but equal role with physicians in the healthcare system. And in many cases, nurses mm -hmm. are registered nurses are working independently in, in many different ways. Some as nurse educators or nurse coaches, as you and I do, but some nurses have their own clinical businesses. They're going into people's homes, their wound care specialists or their pain management specialists, or they're helping people manage and coordinate their care, people who have chronic illness and are on 12 different medications and have to see 12 different specialists. So I love when I do have the opportunity to give people more information about all the amazing things we're doing out there. And we have more and more nurses that hold political positions across the country right now. And while some people might see that as away from nursing also, I say it's not at all away from nursing because healthcare, first of all, is such a huge issue in the political stage these days. It has been for quite a long time. So who better to, to lead the discussion and policy change than nurses who have actually been at the front line and understand what it's what it's really all about and can advocate for and help to pass legislation that is going to be beneficial for everybody that's that's just another example yes yeah um donna those are all really wonderful points and you know from my perspective i'm on a similar mission as you and you've been one of my mentors forever so you know what i try to teach nurses through my podcast and my writing and also through coaching if they come to me for coaching is that one they need to feel self-assured and self-empowered so i recommend taking whatever trainings or reading whatever they need to do or watching whatever they need to watch to become more assertive to be able to communicate clearly so i recommend studying emotional intelligence relational and behavioral intelligence motivational interviewing whatever it is they need to be able to speak up and really have a seat at the table because like you and I know, if you don't have a seat at the table, you're gonna be on the menu. And nurses have been on the menu too much. And that's why we're going to state houses, that's why we're going to Congress and talking with people. And that's why a lot of nurses are looking for alternatives. And right here on my desk, I happen to have your Career Alternatives for Nurses CD set with the workbook. And I also have your first year as a nurse book and the ultimate career guide for nurses right here above my desk. And you've been educating nurses about their careers for a long, long time. So let's talk for a minute about career alternatives for nurses as your registered trademark, but also the idea of career alternatives for nurses. What would you say to someone out there listening saying, yes, Donna, I need an alternative career? Yeah, and it you know sometimes the the phrase alternative career is misunderstood as getting out of nursing, but there's so many different ways to use our nursing knowledge and background and still continue to make a difference. So, for example, I had worked in after I got out of the hospital because I had moved, I worked in a medical weight control center and I began to see how I could help people as a nurse in that setting, teaching them about nutrition and weight loss and behavioral issues. And then I wound up working for an educational company, helping 
uh, recently graduated or ready to graduate student nurses help them prepare to pass their licensing exam, NCLEX. Now, in both of those ways already, uh, I've always felt that I was contributing to the profession. Any work that I do with nurses or student nurses to help prepare them to be excellent nurses, good professionals, um, and, and so on is, is helping healthcare in a, in a very large way. And again, I always try to remind nurses there are, that there are so many different opportunities for them and so many different things to do. So Career Alternatives for Nurses was what I launched my business with. And the purpose of that, as I mentioned, was to teach nurses about all the different opportunities that are out there, but also to teach them the value they have and how to market themselves what I call transferable skills, all the skills that we have that we might use at the bedside or in a traditional hospital role, but that are also, also can be used and be very valuable in a variety of different settings. And I have always taught nurses empowerment. If I had to describe what I do in a word, it's empowerment. And you used that word a few years ago. Being empowered is having the tools that you need and knowing how to use them to feel in control of your life and your career. So some nurses feel hopeless and helpless simply because, A, they're not they lack information. They, they're not aware of what else is out there. I said, A, I was going to say, you know, I, I'm not going to go through the alphabet <laughs> here, but they also, um, also many times just don't know how to get themselves out there. Maybe they don't know what's current with resume writing or interviewing, but many nurses are so used to only speaking about medical things, even in a healthcare situation, that some of us have even lost our ability to socialize well. So we don't know how to have regular conversation with people if it if it isn't about um, you know IV drip rates or, or, or anything else back, going on. Right. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So um, you know, I talked about getting active in committees at work and in professional associations. That's something that I always did. But honestly, Keith, at the time, I didn't do it because I heard that as great career advice. I was always looking for something else to do other than being in the emergency room at the time, eight hours for every day. I thought, well, just be nice to have a change of pace or whatever. What I learned by getting involved in different activities and committees is that I learned a lot about myself. I started to expand my skill set. And by, and by skill set, it could be uh, becoming a better writer, but also becoming a better communicator. And I was able to see myself with other people and see when people reacted to me positively or negatively. In other words, it was helping me to become very self-aware, mm. starting even from when I was younger, but that process never starts. I remember when I was uh, part of a state professional association, and I went to a meeting at the state level, and I was, I was, I mean, somewhat young at the time, but I was certainly very inexperienced in a lot of ways. And I made a comment at one of the meetings, uh, you know, like somebody said something and I said, oh, that's crazy. And that's not really a good thing to say at a committee meeting. And I know it no sooner came out of my mouth and I realized it wasn't a, a great thing to say. So after the meeting, I went to the person who I essentially called crazy and I apologized to them. And, you know, we talked about it a little bit, but I bring up that incident because I acted, I think I acted inappropriately, but I no sooner did it when I realized it wasn't appropriate and I was able to self-correct mm -hmm. and self-modify going mm -hmm. forward. And sometimes, you know, we can, you, you do want to read, you do want to go to classes, but you, and you also want to, um, 
you want to observe and emulate people that you admire, who you believe are communicating well and clearly and strongly, but you really also just have to get out there and do the best that you can and learn as you go. Recognizing what your shortcomings are and not beating yourself up for it, saying, okay, I can do better with that next time. This is how I'm, how I'm going to do it. When I worked in the emergency room, uh, there were a lot of other things that we could be involved in, like we could be in charge of the poison control center. It was like a something you'd spend a few hours a month mm -hmm. on or do the schedule for the staff. I always used to volunteer for things. As I said, my intent was to get out of the, the, the ER for a couple of hours because it seemed a little less uh, intense to me. But what I realized is I was starting to just build my whole skill set, mm -hmm. enhance my professional package, build my resume, even though that wasn't my intent at the time. So the more things we expose ourselves to, the more situations we put ourselves in. And we have to, sometimes people push us out of our comfort zone. Sometimes we need other people to push us, but sometimes we have to fling ourselves out also. So you have an opportunity before you, it seems scary. You're like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I can do that. My philosophy is you hold your nose and you jump in, figuratively speaking, and you begin to learn as you go. You don't want to learn only from experience. You want to observe other people. You definitely want to do some reading and research, but sometimes you just have to get out there and do it to get better and to grow and to move forward. Great point. Now, speaking of self-advocacy, empowerment, jumping in and saying yes, when we come back from the break, we're going to talk a little bit more about, you know, the nursing profession and the work you do with nurses, but we're also going to talk very specifically about your newest book, Falling Together, How to Find Balance, Joy, and Meaningful Change When Your Life Seems to Be Falling Apart. This book applies to nurses, of course, and women, but Anyone can read this book and get so much out of it. So when we come back, we're going to talk very deeply about your book. And one lucky listener might be able to win a copy of the book as well. So we'll be right back for the second half of The Nurse Keith Show, episode 266. There's a growing demand for DNP-prepared nursing professionals, and the University of Portland can help you meet this demand through their DNP program. Alumni Lola McLean, class of 2018, says, The University of Portland's DNP program was one of the best choices I've made. It greatly prepared me for my role as a nurse practitioner through outstanding clinical experiences that fostered not only my learning and independence as a practitioner, but also allowed me to further develop my interest in integrative medicine that I'm able to incorporate into my patient care on a daily basis. This is also translated into my current practice where we regularly engage in quality and practice improvement initiatives. And current student Jennifer Cortez Klein, who will be part of the class of 2020 states, I chose the DNP program at UP because the rigorous curriculum placed emphasis on preparing family nurse practitioners as clinical experts and innovative leaders. As a first generation Latina, I look forward to being able to serve vulnerable communities communities by providing an integrative approach to healthcare and addressing social injustice through systems level change. Successful completion of this program qualifies graduates to take the American Academy of Nurse Practitioners Family Nurse Practitioner Certification Examination or the American Nurses Credentialing Center Family Nurse Practitioner Certification Exam. Learn more about the DNP program at nursing.up.edu and I, Nurse Keith, thank the University of Portland for their generous support. 
And welcome back to the Nurse Keith Show. Yes, this is episode 266. And you want to go to those all important show notes at nursekeith.com forward slash the word episode and the number 266. And of course, we are speaking today with friend of the pod and friend of the nursing profession, Donna Cardillo, the inspiration nurse who you may have known as Dear Donna at nurse.com, where she was the advice columnist for 15 years. And you can still find her at donnacardillo.com and as a blogger at Dr. Oz. Now, before the break, Donna, we were talking about empowerment and self-advocacy and leaving your comfort zone, which we could relate to fear because fear often drives a lot of what we do or don't do as human beings, right? Yes, Keith. Yes. And your new book, Falling Together, you tell the story here not just of your career, and it's a very inspiring story of your career and your life, but it also talks about your husband, your first and second husbands, and the love story between you and your second husband, Joe, and what you and he have both been through together and how you've held each other up and supported each other through all the peregrinations of your lives, including his chronic illness that he lives with now. And one of the things I notice in this book is that towards the end, around page 168, 170, you're talking about fear and the comfort zone. And you say, the comfort zone's like an invisible bubble around each of us where we feel relatively safe and at ease. It's a place that's familiar to us, where we know how to handle most situations that arise and feel that we have some mastery over our environment. When we step outside to try something new, challenge ourselves, or make a change, we automatically feel nervous and anxious. But once we do something for the first time or master a new skill, we push out the perimeter of that bubble and have a larger space in which to move around more comfortably. So whether this is about nursing career or it's about getting out there in the world to do something else or whatever it happens to be, What's your main message other than this around the power of fear and how we can overcome our fear and push ourselves to these new horizons in our lives? It's a very important subject, Keith, because um, so many people don't do the things that they want to do or move forward because of fear. And something very, very valuable lesson I've learned a lot of us still think that there's only one kind of fear, that fear alerts us to danger. I have learned that there are two kinds of fear. Uh, there's the type of fear that you would experience when you're walking down a dark alley at night in a bad part of town where all your senses are alert because you know there's a, a high level of potential danger and you want to be ready for that fight or flight reaction. But what I learned really once I started the business is that there's another kind of fear that all of us experience when we are growing, when we are stretching ourselves, when we are reaching beyond ourselves. And I call that type of fear growing pains. So knowing mm. now that there are two types of fears, or let me back up for a minute. When you don't know that, if you want to do something, let's say a nurse says, gee, I want to start a business, but I'm, I'm so afraid. That nurse might misinterpret that those feelings of fear as, oh, that's that's danger. My body and my mind are warning me that's not a good thing to do. What I know now is that fear is automatically part of the process when you are stretching yourself, when you are stepping outside of your comfort zone. And that type of fear, as I mentioned, I refer to as growing pains. 
I know now that you cannot stretch yourself or grow without experiencing fear. So once I learned that, I decided that rather than making fear an obstacle in front of me, I was going to bring fear along as my friend. And I would mentally say, okay, you pain in the butt speaking to my own fear. If you insist mm -hmm. on being here, let's move forward together. This is a mental attitude that I adapted. And then I learned that as a part of the quote that you just used, once I did something for the first time or I got better at something from doing it a few times, that fear would begin to dissipate until the next challenge presented itself. And what I tell nurses today is I say, if there's something you want to do and it scares you, I say, perfect. That means that, that, that you are exactly going in the right direction. And that nurse might say to me, oh, but Donna, you don't understand. I'm like really almost panicked about it. I say, oh, excellent. That's even more validation that you're on the right track. Right. The panic is speaking to you and it's telling you that you, that you're, you're doing the right thing. It's telling you that you, that you're, this is what you need to do. You need to move forward and push through this. Yeah, absolutely. And Keith, one of the things I, I love to tell nurses is I've had many opportunities come my way, things that I didn't plan, I, I didn't feel prepared for. For example, the first time I was approached to write a book, I had a publisher contact me. They were looking for someone to write your first year as a nurse. And I hadn't written a book before. I didn't necessarily consider myself a writer. But I figured a publishing opportunity doesn't come along where it's presented to you very often. So I said yes, because I felt that I should. I signed a contract. I went into a deep state of panic and self-doubt, thought this is the end of my career and my business. People are <laughs> going to find out I'm a fraud. I know nothing. And uh, so the third step was then to figure out how to do it. I began to interview nurses. I began to write and put things together. And uh, I did it as best I could. And then I celebrated having done it afterwards. So that's the, the my five part plan that I tell nurses about all the time. When you're presented with an opportunity or something you want to do, you say yes, you go into a deep state of panic and self-doubt. That's a very important step. Yes. You have to go through that. <laughs> then you figure out how to do it. You do it to the best of your ability and then you celebrate having moved forward in your life. And every time Every time you try something new or you expand your world, you start pushing out the boundaries of that comfort zone, which means there's more and more in your life you can do without feeling nervous and scared all the time. Those of us that have had very limited experiences, there's mm -hmm. almost nothing we can do where we don't feel nervous and scared. So mm -hmm. we have to push out those boundaries. That's the only way to live. Otherwise, you live in a cage. Right. And I love the concept of, of what you said in the book about pushing those boundaries out. Like we keep yeah. expanding the bubble. Our bubble can be tiny or it can be huge. It can encompass the whole world. Right. And on page 148, you wrote in your journal, you wrote, I feel the hardened, gnarly, scarred, faded crust cracking and a brand new, smooth, radiant, vibrant being emerging. It's time to let go of the past, to drop the ballast that has held me back, slowed me down, Look out, world, here I come. So I feel like that's one of the central themes of this book for me. This is one of my takeaways, is that 
you talk about the negative voice of your English teacher, your junior year of high school English teacher, who told you that something you said was the stupidest answer she'd ever heard in her entire life. And I can so relate. Some of my listeners might remember me talking about Mr. Dingle, my senior year English teacher in high school in New Jersey, who, you know, embarrassed me in front of everyone several times making prognostications about how little I would accomplish in my life, you know? And I, that, that voice is still with me. Here I am 55 years old. And I remember what he said when I was 17, but I sure showed him or showed myself that I'm capable of a heck of a lot more than he thought I was. So yeah. And Mr. Dingle was not my teacher. Um, Good. (laughs) But one of the stories I tell in my book, The Ultimate Career Guide for Nurses, there's a, 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 you know, we all have our nursing heroes, and I have a nursing friend and colleague who I admire very much, I have for years. And for some reason, one day, I said to her, after I'd known her for years and even worked with her, I said to her, what made you choose nursing? And she said to me, well, I almost didn't choose nursing. And I thought, wow, I, didn't, I never expected to get that answer. I asked her about it. She said that in high school, she really wanted to be a nurse. She even knew what school she wanted to go to. And her guidance counselor said to her, you're not smart enough to be a nurse. And that haunted her for years. She went into oh something different. Then she became an LPN. Then she became an RN. Mm-hmm. Then she went for a BSN. Then she went for a master's degree. And today she is an incredible adult nurse practitioner. And this is a woman who was once told that she wasn't smart enough to be a nurse. So uh, just, you know, we all have stories like that. So, so those things are common. And rather than let them hold us back, we have to, you know, when I meet a nurse that's going through hard times right now, I say, okay, I know I've lived long enough that I know you're going to eventually get through this. And someday you're going to be able to use these hard times and these difficulties to help other people that are also going through difficulties. Excellent point. And, you know, we've all been through so much and the 21st century, here we are in 2020, it's a stressful period in history. There's a lot going on around the world, whether it's at the border with Mexico or there's the fires in Australia. You know, we know there's people suffering. We know there's a lot going on in the world. And we're also aware of our own suffering and the suffering of those around us. And as nurses, of course, we have this natural inclination to want to assuage the suffering of other people. And I have a very clear contention with my clients, my coaching clients, is that you need to deal with yourself too. You can't just go out saving everyone or we're going to have wounded warrior syndrome everywhere around us. And so what you're saying here around forgiveness, about letting go, about challenging ourselves, about not allowing those old voices to keep infiltrating and holding us back. I feel like this is the way we come empowered citizens and empowered human beings and also empowered nurses at the same time. So you also mention in the book, you talk about retirement and you say how you can never really picture just doing nothing because you feel you'll fill that void with doing lots of amazing things. And I've heard this concept recently, Donna, that maybe you've heard recently, it's new to me anyway, that people are taking the word retire and changing it into rewire. Have you heard that one? 
Well, I have because there's a particular woman who coined that phrase. And, and who is that? I don't know, but it's I know it's trademarked. I believe she wrote a book about it, and I'm I'm sure that you could oh good uh, probably find it. Yeah, but whenever I use the word retirement, I use air quotes around the word retirement. Exactly. Because um, what first of all we're living a we're living a whole different life today you know retirement doesn't doesn't mean doing nothing for anybody but mm-hmm. it is if you retire completely from a job or a career you have to of course just completely shift gears and find something else to um to be involved in but here's the thing i have heard from so many nurses who air quotes retired and then they call me two or three years later, and they say, Donna, I'm tired of retirement. What else can I do? So, you know, sometimes we build up these so-called golden years. And if people aren't thrilled with their work, they say, well, I can't wait till I retire. But um, we know now that it's, we have to stay engaged in life. We have to find work that is meaningful. It could be volunteer work. It could be paid work. It, it could be helping people in your community. There's lots of different ways to find meaning in your life. So true. Yeah. And we, we all have to have a reason to get out of bed in the morning. Purpose. Leisure time is fine. But with everybody living so long, I actually read a study where too much leisure time is not healthy for us either. And some people found themselves like these nurses that maybe retired for so many years they found themselves with too much leisure time so leisure time is great some of us would would love to have a little bit of it but too much of it is not a good thing either so um, I always recommend that nurses do not ever give up their license because you never know what opportunities might come along in the future even to speak or write or consult or coach or mentor I think having keeping that license unless it's difficult for whatever reasons is a is a great thing to do but we can certainly retire from a, a particular job or type of nursing that we've done for years, but transition into something else. If you were to retire from a traditional job, one great thing to do would be to get very active in your state chapter of the American Nurses Association or a specialty association. Mm -hmm. Some nurses, when they're working a full-time job, say, I don't really have time for committee work or to run for office or whatever with family, school, etc. But that might be a great time to get in a leadership role or um, volunteer to be a mentor. The American Nurses Association has a mentoring program and they look for Mm -hmm. members to volunteer to mentor other nurses. Oh my gosh, I could spend like the rest of my life doing that if I weren't running, (laughs) just running a business. That would be so much fun and so meaningful for me. And I would know that I was really contributing in a positive way. Even if I were only doing something, in other words, on a volunteer basis, no longer running my business to the extent that I do right now. So Mm -hmm. my point is that there's just, uh, you know, there's so many opportunities to contribute to the greater good. And we always want to be doing something in that regard. Absolutely. Thank you for all of that. It is so helpful to hear. And yeah, there's plenty of ways to live our lives. And retirement can look like doing crossword puzzles and watching Jeopardy all day. Or it can look like, you know, like you said, volunteering for your state association, like so many nurses do here in the New Mexico with the New Mexico Nurses Association where I'm on the board. Or actually you can join a board, join an organization, join the board of a nonprofit. There's so many ways we can serve. And, you know, falling together really gives one the sense, and I finished it finally this morning, (laughs) I have to admit, that it gives us the sense of, one, how we can come back from adversity and turn 
lemons into lemonade, basically, and also how we can look at our past, let go of the past hurts, learn from the past hurts, and forgive ourselves and other people, and create the life we really want. And speaking of the book, first, I want to invite any listener out there who would like to win. We have one copy of the book to give away, and you need to write to me at Keith at NurseKeith.com by April 1st, 2020. That's by the morning of April Fool's Day 2020. Tell me something you've let go of and something you've brought into your life to replace what you've let go of. And whoever writes to me before April 1st, 2020, I'll pick one winner out of a hat or I'll have George the cat actually <laughs> pick the winner out of the hat if he can manage it. Well, you can rub yours with uh, sardines, but actually I'll be writing it so you can't. So he'll be very impartial, I promise. And Donna, before we go, I know people can find you at DonnaCardillo.com, and that's where they can learn about all these amazing retreats you do specifically for nurses. So I know you do a nurse empowerment retreat. It's often at Miraval Resort in Arizona, and you also do retreats in Massachusetts and New Jersey. So what should some people know about right now as they're listening about what they can find at DonnaCardillo.com? Well, at DonnaCardillo.com, there's so many free resources on my website. There's a page, if one goes there and clicks on the For Nurses tab, there's a whole page of over 100 articles. They're all categorized in different ways. In fact, um, one article I wrote, it's called Nursing the New Paradigm. It's a great article to read about you know, where healthcare is going, what the opportunities are for nurses, and what each of us needs to do to stay relevant, to stay moving forward, and so on. There's even a free webinar link there on how to speak. I talked earlier about how to speak clearly uh, and specifically, but importantly, about the work that we do. There's a, a whole webinar I did for the Academy of Medical Surgical Nurses that one can link to on um, the power of nursing language. And I'm also going to be writing articles about these topics um, in my nurse influencer profile at the American Nurse. There's also information about my upcoming retreats and seminars that you mentioned. I do several retreats for nurses, occasionally retreats for women. I also just did one in the Pocono Mountains of Pennsylvania in September. And I'm always looking for new and interesting, relaxing, inspirational locations to run these events. March the 16th in New Jersey, I'll be doing a full-day seminar on how to create a profitable speaking and retreat business. This is what I've been doing for 25 years, and I've had so many requests from nurses that want to do the same thing, learn how to do what I'm doing. So I have created this full-day seminar to teach that. And not surprisingly, it will be at a beautiful Oceanside Retreat Center at the beautiful Jersey Shore. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then you're also going to be out in Massachusetts sometime in 2020 as well. In, in August, I will definitely be at Canyon Ranch in uh, Massachusetts, Lenox, Massachusetts, another beautiful all-inclusive resort. Mm -hmm. More information about that will be up on my website soon. So if you go to my website, you might as well just sign up to be on my mailing list and get my newsletter. I don't, I don't constantly send things out, but this way people will get in, um, informed 
around when I have something coming up. It's just a good way to stay in touch. It's also a good idea to follow me on social media. I have a personal page on Facebook. I welcome you there, but I also have a nurse's page. And I'm on LinkedIn, I'm on Twitter, I'm on Instagram. I post something every single day, something informational, something inspirational. We have a whole community online and um, lots of wonderful information. In fact, if you go to my uh, website and click on one of the Facebook tabs or just search for Donna Cardillo RN, get to my nurses page on Facebook, I just posted something about nurses in Canada who really showed up and stepped up during a huge blizzard up in Newfoundland, Canada, some of them working 34, 36, 50, 60 hours because people couldn't get into work. It's so inspirational and to see the photos and hear the stories of people pulling together and everybody's smiling after, mm. after all of this going on. So we need that inspiration. We need that community. We do. Beautiful, Donna. So Everything you just mentioned will be in the show notes. There'll also be a link to Amazon for all of your books, your first year as a nurse, the ultimate career guide for nurses, falling together, career alternatives for nurses. And I really encourage people to, to subscribe to your newsletter like I have, and to also check out all of your offerings because you're amazing, Donna. That's, you just are. <laughs> well, thank you, Keith. Back at you. From Jersey boy to Jersey girl. That's you know? right. That's right. So thank you so much. You are just so wonderful. Just thank you for being who you are and doing what you are for the profession. Oh, it's my pleasure, Keith. And thank you so much for the opportunity to talk with you and with your listeners about the nursing profession that I am so passionate about. Thank you, Donna. Well, there you have it. Thanks for listening to episode 266. And remember the show notes where you can find everything about Donna Cardillo is at nursekeith.com forward slash episode 266. Did you know there are job listings and other resources at nursekeith.com? That's right. At the resources drop down menu, you'll find jobs from Incredible Health, Trusted Health, Reload.com, ZipRecruiter, as well as lots of other great resources for you. And if you want to leave a rating and review at Apple Podcasts and iTunes, it really helps other people find the show. We have 30 reviews and 80 ratings over there. And we need more because I have 4.5 stars and I want more. <laughs> you can leave as many stars as you like from one to five. And recently, listener Marion Reed wrote, Nurse Keith shares relevant news and advice that benefits all nurses, no matter what your nursing specialty. I look forward to every episode. So thank you, Marion. That is so kind. And the Nurse Keith Show is adroitly produced by Rob Johnston of 520R Podcasting. And Mark Cappiespeason is our stalwart social media ringmaster. Be well, dig deep, seek joy, keep in touch. This is Nurse Keith saying adios till next time from beautiful Santa Fe, New Mexico. And the inimitable, amazing Donna Cardillo bidding you adieu from... From central New Jersey at the beautiful Jersey Shore. The Jersey Shore where Nurse Keith spent many hours of his childhood. So Donna, thank you and blessings to all. And we will catch everyone on the flip side.